as the children go back, you can turn to John chapter 15 today. That's, we're going to be mostly there in our text. You just hold your place there. Take us a little while to get there. John chapter 15. Started the year talking about a cause. God's cause. Picking up God's cause. Then we talked about, what I, just to put it all into, to alliterate it, convincing and commitment. You know, vision. Um, you know, going, going after, do, let's do this thing, I think is what I entitled that message. Last week we talked about, what using the C word, collecting the bottom line uh, to what we are to do for God. Now, I've been using the portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 21, a parable here, uh, that was given to uh, the Jewish leaders there. It said, here another parable. Beginning in verse 33, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, he's speaking to these Jewish leaders here, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. You know, if the chief priests and elders who Jesus was speaking to knew the scriptures very well, this story of a corrupted vineyard would have sounded very familiar to them. But my guess is by their reaction, they figured they was talking about him. Boy, if they remembered this, they knew he was talking to him. Isaiah prophesied to the nation of Israel of their impending captivity of Israel and Judah in his day. God used the familiar allegory of a vineyard. In Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, you don't have to go there right now. You can mark that down unless you're quick in your Bible. It says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. So now I learned that's a vine that you plant for a vineyard. And built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have done in it? 
Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I'll tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned, nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. He was saying the same thing, using the same example here to these Jewish leaders. Last week's message took a step back in time. Well, before Isaiah, during the time of Moses, when we saw that prior to the conquest of the land of Canaan, Moses sent spies into the land. These spies were to go, part of what they were to do is to go and bring back fruit. Fruit, particularly grapes, is the most widely used allegory concerning man's responsibility toward God. Consider the very foundation of this allegory. To Adam and Eve, he said in Genesis 1.28, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful of all words. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now after God wiped out the wicked world in a great flood, when Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives are left as a new foundation for human life on this earth, God makes very clear their responsibility. He says in Genesis 8, 17, Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of the fowl and of the cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Genesis 9, 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And then in Genesis 9, 7, And you... He repeats it again. Be, be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Psalm 127, 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Now, this may not come over real well to us as parents. Because we're so involved and in love with our families. But our children are not ours. They are God's. It is His inheritance. It's His fruit. They are His reward. We need to understand that and see that. <laughs> that way Jesus clearly stated that we would not know our spouses as our spouse in heaven. He said there's no marrying in heaven. In other words, we won't have that same relationship feeling. Now, if marriage is to be the greatest love in the family, 
and we will not know our spouse as our spouse, then surely it stands to reason that we will not know our children as our children in heaven. Now, that's hard. That's hard to understand, but that's what it says. Jesus, just before he went to the cross, left his disciples with these words in John 15, and that's uh, where I'm going to have you be. We're going to read through John chapter 15, at least through several verses here. John chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that... My joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You know, if we could put our responsibility to God as a as a Christian, if I could put this in a single sentence, I would say this, we are to bring fruit to God. That's what we are to do. We are to bring fruit to God. The fruit is the people. We are to bring people to the gospel. You know, Jesus gave us a more clear, distinct, practical directive of how to do that. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Today I want to preach a message of how to fill your basket with eternal fruit now it's kind of chuckle when brother mike was saying he he was talking about you know how sometimes you have what you were going to say 
and then God tells you something else. This is what I didn't intend to preach on this morning, but is what I felt led to uh, as I began to prepare. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we think about this thought of fruit, you continually, from Genesis on through, talks about fruit. You use fruit to be brought unto you. You're the owner of the fruit. And this is what we are to do, to bring fruit unto you. It's easier said than done, and we need to be careful and listen closely to how that's done. Now, Father, I just pray you bless the preaching of your word. I pray you'd speak to each heart this morning. May we be encouraged. May we see this message, though there may be many facets to it, May we see the simplicity of it as well. And may we see where we're missing out in being able to provide the fruit that you ask us to bring. And so, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. John, let's go to John 15.1. I kind of want to break this apart, kind of go through this. First of all, it says, I am the true vine. Let's, we can just stop right there. Jesus is the only source for producing spiritual fruit. I am the true vine. There's nothing that can happen out on the branch unless it comes through the vine. And, and I say that because there's a lot of people who try to do things really outside of Jesus Christ and have all these works. And God, and God says, I never knew you. I mean, they've done tremendous things in his name, so to say. But he never abided in them. They were never saved. Did great, wonderful things. And that was no fruit at all. <laughs> then it says, and my father is the husbandman. The fruit belongs to God. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, we might read this verse and believe that our salvation sounds like our salvation is dependent on our ability to produce fruit. We don't do that. He's going to cut us off. I understand. You could read it that way. A lot of people read things like that in the Bible. It is as if our salvation depends on our works. But we must read on. Here it says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Jesus is talking to his disciples there. Chapter 15, 16, 17. What a wonderful prayer that John shows what Jesus is communicating and praying for these disciples right before he's going to the cross. Very special. You need to realize uh, that. And he says, now ye are clean. Clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. He pronounces them clean. They are saved. They are righteous before God by the word of God. And then verse 4 he says, Abide in me and I in you. And you see those together. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Here is the first pre prerequisite, I should say, to a full basket of fruit. The source of all fruit is of Jesus. Nothing 
of ourselves. Man, we want to put our, we want to pat ourselves on the back. We are nothing but gloves, and, uh, you know, of the, of the master surgeon. I mean, it's through us that he uses, but it's, it's all of him. Romans eleven thirty six. for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. It's, it's as if it's going to happen. You, if you're abiding in him, he is going to produce. He's the one who's going to produce the fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. It, it, it appears here that those who are truly saved, those who have truly trusted Christ as their Savior, who have the Holy Spirit of God in them, the witness of God in them, will produce much fruit. You're going to produce fruit, and he says, and then he's going to prune you, and you're going to produce more fruit. We will be pruned. We will produce much fruit. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Those who Christ died for, which was the world. The ones who are called to be a part of the vine, anybody can trust Christ as Savior, but those who have rejected Him, those who have refused to abide in Him, have no source of fruit. And it says they are cut off. Quite directly, they're going to be cast into hellfire because of their own choice to refuse to abide in Christ and rather remain to abide in their own control. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall, listen to this, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I'm telling you, this is some tough things for us to, to think about here. I'm going to have you stretch your mind a little bit uh, by the word of God. Here we have three keys to a full basket of fruit. Abiding in Christ. His word abounding in you. And then asking, which is the abundance in your basket. Through asking. Verse 8, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. A disciple is a learner of Christ. He says, if you have learned anything, if, if you've learned anything about anything, you've learned that the way to glorify God, which is our responsibility, that's really what it is all about, is by bringing Him fruit. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what is his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. We are ordained by Christ. 
that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your, I want you to listen to this, your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Here's a couple of things you need to pick up on that last verse. That your fruit should remain. This is talking about eternal fruit. He is looking for the eternal fruit. The fruit that remains is fruit that will go into eternity. We need to be careful of the fruit we can gather. You've seen kids, you know, you go tell them to pick. They end up picking anything and everything and throw it in the basket. Rotten, good, not ripe, whatever. You know, it could be about a numbers thing. Listen, this is really important. We're talking about eternal fruit. We're talking about true salvation. The other thing that this text ends on is, of all things, asking. Abiding. There's, there's like an order here. Abiding in him leads to abounding in his word which results in abundance of fruit for the asking. Ask, and it shall be given. Did he? I mean, it's stated several different times. I know that's hard. That's Bible. <laughs> we need to be able to ask and know that it's given us. Now, this is where the road gets hard. We have to ask correctly. And this is where the problem lies. John 14, 13, it says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. First problem is, is that we must know God's will. And that goes back to the problem of abounding in his word. Do we know his word? Man, people are weak at knowing God's word. It's one of the things, I'll just tell you, in church, I've been in a lot of churches through my life. You don't get a lot of, I don't know, it's pretty shallow, to tell you the truth. A lot of it's pretty shallow. That's no excuse for you. You've got your Bible. You need to abound in his word. Are you abounding? Do you know Him? Are you abiding in Him? A lot of false teaching from the Bible is generated by the knowledge of the Word of God, but a lack of knowledge of Him. You see, it's all got to match up. David was a man after God's own heart. He abided in God. He got to know him. When you get to know him and you see his word, correct doctrine comes apart. But you'll get false doctrine. You start to ask things, and all of a sudden, if you go down those lines, you have to say, well, uh, well God means this at this time, but in this he has to mean this at this time. Inconsistencies come about. Uh, who he is. 
Folks, you need to know Him. You need to get on your knees. You need to cry before Him. You need to ask Him to show Him Himself to you. To know Him. To know His character. To know who He is. His Word will perfectly line up with that. Here's some other issues we have with asking. James chapter 4, beginning verse 1. From whence cometh come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and ye war, and ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. <laughs> That's strong language. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Now here's a list of things. We need to get to the point it says that we can ask God and we know we have it. That seems to be where it's all at there. This is how you get, this is the first part of gathering fruit. But in here we find, first of all, don't even pray at all. This is a problem. It says, it said in here, because you ask not. You get all caught up in things and you forget to pray, a lack of prayer. How many times have we heard in our life from somebody, well, all you had to do was ask. Sometimes it's just because we don't ask. And then number two, you spend your time fighting with others instead. That seems to lead to forgetting to pray, it seems like, in this portion. Doesn't it seem that we either spend our time prating about others or praying for others. The two never go together. In case you need a definition for prating, it means this. To talk foolishly or at a tedious length about something. Hmm. Prating about others or do we pray for others? We're to love one another. And then in here you see off-target prayers, selfish prayers. Selfish prayers are prayers that are what he calls a miss. A miss from what? From what? It's a miss from the glory of God. That's what we are to do. That's the fruit, to give glory to God, not yours. So you see here, I mean, we got some big stumbling blocks. But there's another big problem with our prayers. Maybe something we know. But perhaps it's something we don't even realize. Micah 3.4. I'm just going to give you some scriptures here. You know where I'm going. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Isaiah 8, 18, and ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye have chosen you. 
and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Surely, God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Job 35, 13. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. going to read a few verses here. Isaiah chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 says the vision of Isaiah the son of Amos which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah kings of Judah. Hear O heavens and give ear O earth for the Lord has spoken I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel to unto anger, they are gone, all gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even under the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devoured in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like under Gomorrah. See, God has a remnant. Hey, learn, learn, learn to walk in a small crowd. It's always been. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God. Ye people of Gomorrah, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Saith the Lord, I am full of the, full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of the assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth, they are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Folks, it's been said, people, you probably heard this saying, sometimes our prayers don't go to the ceiling. There's one outstanding reason. And this is what I meant to talk about today. <laughs> but I'm going to talk about next week, Lord willing. The reason is you're dirty. And I think there's a whole message in this cell. 
in itself about what being clean before the Lord is. But today, may we understand that the path, and we're just talking about <laughs> how to be fruitful, that the basket full of fruit to God starts with abiding. That's a dear, close relationship to know, know him personally. You get up in the morning and you talk to your Lord. I need you today. We live in a sinful, difficult world. We need him. Lord, I need you. I love that song. It speaks of abiding in him and knowing him. It continues with abounding in God's word, getting in his word. The more you get in it, the more you love it, the more you want of it. And then it comes in abundance when our prayer life is right. But that's where our problems begin. So heads bowed and eyes closed. The pan is coming to the play. It's very obvious we are to bring fruit. We are to bring <coughs> eternal fruit unto God. We can do a lot of things in this world, but if it doesn't really revolve around that, getting the gospel out to people, that they may come to the Lord. And it starts with our families, folks. It starts with our children. We need to have relationship with our God that we may when we get into his word we understand his word we're not drawn away with strange doctrines things that don't make sense but that they perfectly line up with the, with the God that we know personally the Holy Spirit working in our lives to, to tell us what God is saying today like he spoke to me I feel so far away where I need to be but I know where I need to go so I'm sure you're in the same boat we need to get to a place where we can ask anything in his name and he will do it he didn't say that just to make some kind of thing that we could never get to he said it because we can get to that. But it takes a lot of seriousness on our part and desire.
realization that we're not going to do it in our flesh. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all those who have come today. I pray you bless your word and speak, spoke to each heart as only you can. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.